Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Saturday, January 7th, 2023. It's been 318 days since we started covering the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February 24, 2022, and 153 days since the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War podcast began. In the midst of overwhelming tragedy, heroism, and hardship, there's also a great deal of absurdity. Since the team has been taking some time off for the holidays, I went through our old scripts, and I do mean all of them, and collected a few of the stories we've told on the podcast so far. Today's podcast looks at some of the ridiculous that's happened since we started recording in early August. On our August 13th podcast, we reported that a kangaroo in Australia attempted to cause an international incident when it attacked the main gate of the Russian embassy in Sydney. There were no injuries, and the kangaroo was able to hop away before authorities arrived. Quick sidebar here, I feel like the Russian diplomats are probably grateful that of all the Australian animals that could have attacked their embassy, it wasn't a cassowary. I'm pretty sure that would have resulted in casualties. Steven Seagal appeared on the Russian TV channel Russia One, declaring himself Russian, saying that the nation was now his home. Seagal did not clarify if he had renounced his United States citizenship. On August 8th, private military company or PMC Wagner Group telegram channel Grey Zone shared detailed pictures of the Wagner command and control base in Popozna. One of the photos a Russian journalist took during their visit included the address of the building where the base was located. Note that I said where the base was located. Because on August 14th, the base was hit by rockets fired from high-mobility rocket artillery systems, also known as HIMARS, causing significant damage and reportedly killing 12 and wounding 13. Pro-Russian social media accounts, Russian state media, and Wagner widely reported the attack. They did, of course, attempt to spin the operational security or OPSEC fail as not that harmful, claiming that only one rocket struck the facility and members of Wagner were alerted before the strike and were in a bomb shelter. However, pictures shared by Wagner Group showed at least two impacts on the building, including one that would have penetrated the basement area, and private chats for Russian soldiers and PMC Wagner claimed 20 to 50 casualties, depending on the source. In mid-August, Russian forces shared a video of sappers blowing up the bridge over the Luhan River in Luhansk, We could not assess why the Russians destroyed the bridge, as this area was supposed to be secure, and Ukrainian forces weren't even advancing in that direction. In Cincinnati, Ohio, a tennis fan attending the Western and Southern Open was forced to leave because a Russian tennis player complained the fan was draped in a Ukrainian flag and wearing a traditional flowered hairpiece called a vinuk. Witnesses said she was sitting silently watching the match, when an umpire approached her. The judge told her it was, quote, not nice to have the flag in the stands, and the woman clapped back that it was, quote, not nice to invade a country. Ultimately, the woman was escorted to her car where she stowed her flag and returned to the match. 
The players in the match were Anastasia Potapova and Anna Kalinskaya, both from Russia. In an absolutely stunning OPSEC failure, a Russian military unit operating a TOR-2 anti-aircraft command and control system shared internal systems and their operational procedures while intercepting incoming rockets on TikTok. The video showed control panels, unedited computer screens, tracking data, and the crew's inability to shoot down the rockets. Former military members and open-source analysts were feasting on the intelligence provided in the video. Our assessment? <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> but it gets even better, because in what may have been the worst OPSEC failure of the war up to this point, officers and commanders of the 2nd Army Corps of the Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, shared pictures online of the new operation center replacing the one destroyed. The pictures posted included all the meta tags, including precise geolocation. Please note that we did not identify the town or link to the photographs because we follow the guidelines of ethical journalism. After fighting to secure the Butivka mine ventilation shaft compound on the southeast edge of Piski, Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, forces abandoned their positions without a fight around August 17th. Some quick assessment here. We still have no explanation for why DNR forces would abandon the strategically important Butivka mineshaft. Oh hey, there was another OPSEC fail in August. A Russian soldier at a forward operating base, or FOB, in Pershutradneve tested a consumer drone within the compound, recording a 360-degree view of the location. That same drone was later used for reconnaissance and was lost in combat. Ukrainian forces recovered the drone and found the details of the Russian FOB still on the memory card. The video was authenticated and geolocated. Once again, we did not publish the exact location in adherence to the Code of Ethics established by the Society of Professional Journalists. <laughs> but really? On August 24th, we reported that the State Border Service of Ukraine awarded a pensioner with a medal for, quote, assistance in the protection of the state border. Valery Fedorovich, a private citizen, is credited with shooting down an Su-34 fighter plane during the start of the war with a high-caliber rifle that he owned. Military pilots call a lucky hit from small arms a, quote, golden BB, which Fedorovich scored. According to Fedorovich, the Su-34 made a low pass and circled the area to make a second run. That's when he took matters into his own hands. As impossible as the feat sounds, there are receipts, with a video capturing the moment near Cherniev during the war's opening days. Toward the end of August, there was a report that the Russian 22nd Separate Guard Special Purpose Brigade, or Spetsnaz, was sent by the main directorate of the General Staff of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation, or GRU, to quell an uprising of the PMC Wagner Group aided by the 10th Spetsnaz Brigade. The conflict erupted at the main Wagner training base in Ukraine and reportedly turned into a firefight between the 22nd Spetsnaz and the 10th Spetsnaz supported by Wagner. What's more shocking is the 10th is part of the GRU, forcing the intelligence agency to turn to an outside special forces unit to quell the conflict. We couldn't confirm the complete veracity of the report, 
but honestly, even if half true, it indicates a collapse in command and discipline. This was not the first report of Russian units shooting at each other due to personality conflicts or the distribution of looted materials, and it wouldn't be the last either. On August 29th, we reported that a Russian Su-35 multi-role fighter plane fired a Kh-59 land-to-sea cruise missile at Novovorontsovka from Belarusian airspace. The missile scored a direct hit on what was apparently its intended target, an outdoor public toilet. The privy was a total loss, and a tree next to it lost some branches. Fortunately, no one was in the bathroom at the time of the blast. Working our way into September, the Russian Ministry of Defense claimed that 60 Ukrainian airborne troops using two boats attempted to storm the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in an attempt to take it over before inspectors arrived. Russian sources claim, without any evidence, that the attempt failed, the boats were sunk, and the entire group of commandos was neutralized. Russian-based disinformation accounts made grander claims. In addition to the boats, which grew to seven in number, Ukraine tried to use two barges to transport 300 additional troops in the attack, which were sunk mid-river with no survivors. At the time of recording that episode, disinformation accounts were claiming that 384 highly trained Ukrainian commandos had died in the botched raid. So our assessment here, the Russian Ministry of Defense provided no proof to back up any of these claims, nor did it have any pictures of the fighting, attacks, or sinking boats and barges. We find it extremely unlikely that Ukraine would launch a daytime attack across the Dnipro River to capture a power plant with a garrison of 500 soldiers with such a small force. A floating pedestrian bridge near the power plant was disconnected from its anchor on one side, leaving a gap between the path used by people to access shops from villages outside of Enerjolar. It does not appear this was related to any military activity, nor was it one of the mythical war barges allegedly sunk mid-river. In mid-September, Russian state media claimed Ukraine made a third attempt to storm the ZNPP with troops on a barge slowly crossing the Dnipro in broad daylight. Faced with danger beyond all belief, Russian military aviation gallantly destroyed the force with a single Ka-52 alligator attack helicopter. You think we're being snarky? This is what PMC Wagner Grayzone had to say about the Russia Today story. Quote, I honestly do not understand the reasoning. Why do they post something like this from time to time? This enemy, they mean Ukraine, recently organized sabotage in Crimea. Here they decide to set sail for the third time on some raft, then they land on an unequipped coast without equipment in the daytime and try to gain a foothold without artillery and reserves. Who will believe it? Only an idiot. End quote. They said it, not me. Obviously, the Russian state media claim was debunked. The, quote, barge shown in the video was a World War II bridge support built by Nazi Germany between 1943 and 1944. As one internet user put it, quote, Russian troops are begging for air support in Kherson, and Russian attack helicopters are firing on Nazi pillars in the middle of the Dnipro for a propaganda victory, end quote. A video on the internet shared by Russian soldiers showed they had looted a collection of electric tea kettles, which are very popular in almost any country not called the United States. However, they were having a bit of a problem. 
See, the soldiers never bothered to take the base, which provides the heating element. Instead, they put the electric kettles directly on a gas stove, despite having plastic bottoms. Looting, even electric tea kettles, is considered a war crime. On September 16th, the Russian 208th Separate Cossack Motorized Rifle Infantry Regiment and the 4th Brigade, both of the 2nd Army Corps of the LNR, got into a running battle between themselves in an almost day-long friendly fire incident. Fighting stretched across Novodruzhevsk, Shipailivka, and Zolotarivka, all suburbs of Lusychansk. The incident left 21 LNR militia members dead and 53 wounded. A lack of any functional radio communication equipment had been a severe problem for LNR military units for months at this point. About 100 kilometers south of Kiev in Volodarka, Ukraine may have deployed a secret weapon. Camels. Puzzled drivers stopped and took photos and videos of a herd of camels grazing on the side of the road. We're not sure if they escaped from a NATO biolab researching the development of winter combat camels that only spit at Russian soldiers, the circus was in town, or if a camel rancher had their herd escape. They all appeared well-fed and happy to ignore the gawkers while munching on Ukrainian grass. We still have so many questions, but it may be important to note that as of the recording of this episode, there have been no camels, combat or otherwise, observed on the front. Russian state media was outraged by Jan Sartz, the director of NATO Strategic Communication Center, or STRATCOM, for wearing socks with the phrase, quote, I'm trampling Russia on them. In an act that could be called projection, they accused Sartz of having fascist inclinations by wearing socks while making Holocaust comparisons, because of course they did. While we're on the subject of faux outrage, the allegedly Russian channel, The Devil Walks in Dixie, shared a video of a woman buying Halloween decorations saying how bags of skeleton bones resembled Russian soldiers. Russian state media and social media channels were having a field day claiming this is proof that Ukrainians and their supporters who celebrate Halloween are Satanists. That's cool. Okay, but to be honest, if you believe a Russian-language telegram channel named The Devil Walks in Dixie with a stated mission to, quote, monitor satanic activity across all continents, end quote, is not a parody or troll account, we have some definitely intact, fully functional, and not at all on fire Russian-occupied bridges to sell you. On September 24th, we reported that Russia's mobilization of up to 1.2 million people was starting to appear to be the catastrophe we had assessed it would be. A flood of videos that violated OPSEC, of course, showed how completely unprepared the Russian military is and how low morale was among the recently conscripted. In one video, as fresh conscripts unload for induction, a soldier tells them to form two lines, with one conscript yelling back, quote, Go fuck yourself and your two lines, end quote. Other videos showed insubordination and drunkenness even after arriving at induction. One person recording the situation was wearing a jacket in the colors of the Ukrainian flag, and up to this point, no one in the process seemed to notice. A busload of conscripts heading to Kamchatka carried on vodka and beer, with some men appearing to be well over 50 years old. 
A 63-year-old retired lieutenant colonel made a video saying despite having diabetes and cerebral ischemia, he was given no physical exam and sent for deployment. Other veterans complained that they were being placed into roles that didn't align with their previous training and specialties, despite the Kremlin's promise that this was one of the foundations of the ongoing mobilization. Multiple videos emerged showing the conditions conscripts were, and to some degree still are, being kept in. One video showed a crumbling barracks with thin bedding, almost all the plumbing and fixtures stripped from the building, and PVC piping on the outside walls to bring water in. Another video showed a cramped barracks with a newer plywood and pressboard interior. The outside was more prisoner-of-war camp than military induction. The barracks were a jumble of stuff, with some recruits lacking even a thin piece of bedding. It would be enough to make a United States drill instructor want to go knife-hand in every possible direction. Quick sidebar, if you don't know what knife-hand is, ask a veteran or a football coach. Either football is fine. Another video had a drill instructor explaining to a group of recruits that when they arrive in Ukraine, they can't make fires to keep warm as it will mean certain death. She then went on to tell them that they would need to get their own sleeping bags. When a conscript inquired why, the drill instructor responded that she was told the military had already given them everything they would get. In the background, another conscript mumbles, quote, We were told we would receive all this gear, end quote. Um, but it gets worse. She explains that the Russian army doesn't have enough tourniquets or first aid kits, and they will have to buy their own. When they explain there are no more tourniquets in the pharmacies, she recommends asking family members and rating the first aid kits of military vehicles. It just goes downhill from there, with her providing medical misinformation on how to treat gunshot wounds. In late September, Russian state media filmed Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu touring a mobilization facility. At the 13-second mark, a weapons instructor crosses in front of the firing line, stands directly in front of the barrel of a rifle pointed down range, and corrects a conscript on their technique. Honestly, it's kind of a wonder that anyone survives in the wild. In another video, an officer addressed his new wards and clearly wasn't having any of it. In his speech, which was brutal in its honesty, he confessed that he was just mobilized himself and had no idea about their training program, orders, what equipment they would get, or what their deployment would be. He wasn't even sure if he would deploy as their commander due to his own health issues. Ukrainian troops filmed themselves finding a Russian conscript who apparently wasn't aware of different uniforms and insignia. The Russian soldier, who was separated from his unit, calmly smokes a cigarette, saying, quote, I'm surprised you guys are here, end quote. The look of happiness turns into shock when he's told that the group is from Ukraine, and it is all caught on camera. Let's start October with a fun fact. October 7th was Russian President Vladimir Putin's birthday. In recognition of the occasion, Alexei Danilov, secretary of the National Security Council of Ukraine, shared on social media a video of the Crimean Bridge on fire, alongside a video of Marilyn Monroe's famous performance of Happy Birthday, Mr. President. As they have done on many occasions, Russia fired S-300 anti-aircraft missiles from Belgorod, likely targeting the city of Kharkiv. However, in an apparent lack of coordination, 
air defenses in Bilgorod were activated, and the missile barrage bound for Ukraine was successfully shot down. In the now infamous words of NAFO, the North Atlantic Fela organization, which is definitely a for realsies organization, quote, what air defense doing, end quote. This would not be the last time this sort of thing would happen, and I don't doubt that something like it will happen again in the future. In Russian-occupied Crimea, recent Mobix complained that the plate receivers they were issued for body armor were full of holes and stained. Some of the issued equipment was held together with duct tape. At least their body armor had usable plates, though. Ukrainian soldiers recorded a video showing the body armor issued to recently captured Russian troops. The thin metal was bendable with their bare hands and would offer no ballistic or shrapnel protection. In mid-October, we reported that a U.S. American company was selling Russian IRP 24-hour military rations, sealed, with a production date of May 2022. The equivalent of a 24-hour MRE pack was for sale for $49.95 each and sold out pretty quickly. The stacks of newly produced Russian military rations for sale in the U.S. market indicates a stunning level of corruption within the Russian military, with their own troops being provided outdated dry rations or reduced to looting due to a lack of supplies. A video recorded on October 11th showed Mobix of the 423rd Yampil Regiment and their barracks. The person recording showed they were kept in a darkened hangar and claimed there was no bedding or heat. He reported that more than half were sick, and the sound of dry hacking coughs, like one might have with COVID, could be heard throughout the video. The hangar was so frigid the breath of the soldiers could be seen. A second video recorded while the sun shone through the hangar windows showed the floor covered in trash and Mobix milling around idly. The person recording claimed they had no food or potable water and had been, quote, taking what they need from the local village. At the end of the video, a Mobix shouted, quote, We haven't washed our balls in two weeks. End quote. We reported that Chechen troops in Kaide on the east bank of the Dnipro felt safe, secure, and eager to make TikTok videos, which then provided the geolocation of the school they turned into a barracks, which then was hit by rockets fired by HIMARS. It was reported that up to 40 were killed and another 60 wounded. And what did they learn? Nothing. They learned absolutely nothing. They will absolutely do this again. A fuel train in Russian-occupied Shakhtarsk, Donetsk, exploded. After the fires were extinguished, Russian state media committed yet another act of stunning OPSEC failure, along with the People's Militia of the DNR Public Relations Group. RIA-approved TASS released the video equivalent of a Battle Damage Assessment, or BDA, showing what was damaged and what was left untouched. Russia 24 reporter Boris Maksudov made a similar report, showing a long line of undamaged tanker cars that had been moved away from the area that burned. DNR officials took it a step further, providing detailed photos of the damage to the rail yard, tracks, infrastructure, and buildings. Well, two hours after the news report and photos were shared, Shakhtarsk was attacked twice by rockets fired by HIMARS. The first strike hit the fuel storage tanks in the railroad yard, and the second strike targeted the undamaged railroad cars loaded with fuel. At the time we recorded that episode, the fuel tanks were still burning. 
I am pretty sure, however, that they have been extinguished by now. On October 29th, we reported on a new level of absurd, even for the Kremlin. Vasily Nebenzia, the permanent representative of Russia to the United Nations, accused Ukraine of building drones that can spread, quote, combat mosquitoes infected with, quote, dangerous viruses. Nebenzia also repeated claims that Ukraine had weaponized birds in biolabs infected with influenza and Newcastle disease. Quick sidebar here. Ridiculous assertions like those make it harder for communities to put measures in place to prevent the spread of viruses from real-life animals to real-life humans. Pictures emerged showing the state of air defenses around the city of Moscow, and even by Russian standards, they were shocking. Rusted missile launchers still painted in desert colors were attached to trucks that had sat so long they're covered in moss. Electronics from the systems have been looted, and parts lay on the ground along with discarded service manuals. So I guess that's what air defense doing. November started off with a classic. Chechen forces couldn't help themselves and produced an eight-minute-long video bravely declaring their presence on the so-called front. Well, the front turned out to be Lusychansk, about 10 kilometers to the nearest fighting. However, due to their terrible OPSEC, which Ahmad excels at, they had a close encounter of the HIMARS kind. Approximately 30 new members of the TikTok brigade lasted just 48 hours in Ukraine before being deplatformed, as it were. They were issued a lifetime ban. To be clear, they received a Code 200 discharge. To be clearer, they did not survive. PMC Wagner founder Yevgeny Prigozhin continued to expand his footprint and image in the Russian sphere after years of preferring to remain in the shadows. He announced PMC Wagner would be opening up training centers in the Kursk and Bilgorod oblasts in another slap in the face to Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu. Prigozhin's proposal was bizarre, even by Russian standards, creating and deploying very part-time militias. Prigozhin announced, quote, If you own a small factory that employs 100 people and 50 of them are mature males, then 25% should be serving in the trenches and 75% should continue doing their jobs. And so it goes one week in the trenches, three weeks at home and work. End quote. Okay, but Bestie, the average lifespan of a Wagner Penal Unit mercenary is nine whole days, and a regular mercenary is 21 days. Those are not great odds, and I would not take them. In the Arkhangelsk Oblast, Amobik reviewed the equipment the regional governor, Tsubulski Alexander, had donated to his unit as humanitarian aid. It included uninsulated winter boots, two consumer packages of expired sushki, which is kind of between like a crunchy bread and a cracker, two bags of expired mini bagels, a yoga mat to be used as a bedroll, and a summer-grade sleeping bag. The Mobics were grateful, however, that the donated expired food came in a paper bag because they now had something to, quote, wipe their asses. Russia, are you okay? On November 21st, we reported that in Odessa, a statue of Lenin that had been removed was replaced with a statue of Darth Vader. The clever artist recreated the Lenin statue with the Sith Lord in an identical pose. Quick sidebar, in an ironic twist, Seattle, Washington, home of the Science Fiction Museum, does not have a statue of Darth Vader, but 
does have a statue of Vladimir Lenin. Also on November 21st, Natalia Bogdanova, a 71-year-old grandmother, left Bryansk in an IL-76 military transport for deployment to Luhansk as a, quote, nurse after taking courses. Bogdanova is a former surveyor with no prior military or medical experience and wanted to enlist as a cook. She was initially denied when she tried to enlist in September, but was later accepted. Okay, quick question. What is it with Russian soldiers and washing machines? Russian Colonel Ivan Mirfichev was arrested after he was caught demanding a bribe from a military commissar. Mirtichev, who was responsible for mobilization in parts of the Moscow Federal District, found that enlistment was not going to plan in the Ramenki District. He told the commissar that regardless of his performance, he would tell superiors the man had failed his job unless he provided the colonel with one brand new washing machine. And not just any washing machine either, it had to be worth at least 70,000 rubles, which is about 1150 U.S. dollars. The threatened man contacted authorities, who had him buy the washing machine. When Mertvichev came to pick it up, he was greeted by OMON and arrested for receiving a bribe related to extortion, and is now facing up to 12 years in prison. It was reported in late November that SpaceX is suing the Ukrainian company Starlink for trademark violation. The Ukrainian IT company was formed in 2011 and plans to fight the suit. Elon Musk's Starlink communication system began operations in 2015 and became available to the public in 2018. According to the court registry, an initial hearing is scheduled for January 12th. In Russian-occupied Novomykolaivka in the Zaporizhia Oblast, Russian troops drove a BMP infantry fighting vehicle into the town while drunk and went on a rampage. They broke into homes, destroying and looting them, taking women's clothing, winter gear, and underwear. The incident ended when the Russian-appointed mayor called the area commandant to request an intervention. The Mobics left with their looted goods. I, I cannot get over the fact that they were allowed to keep all that stuff. We've made it to December. At the beginning of the month, Rybar wrote a lengthy screed condemning the continued use of so-called picture reports by the Kremlin and Russian military commanders. Examples cited included the commander of the Air Force and Air Defense Armies, who had troops learn songs and only come to formation in authorized uniforms and equipment to look perfect for pictures and videos. Another commander brought a mobile sauna to the front for a nighttime photo shoot, which resulted in a mortar attack. Russian forces engaged in yet another friendly fire incident, this time in occupied Kherson, resulting in 14 soldiers killed when an artillery round hit a tent near Tsukuri. The washing machine, sorry, raccoon, that was stolen from the Kherson Zoo in mid-November, very well may be a special agent of the Ukrainian armed forces. During a meeting with the occupied Kherson Gauleiter, Vladimir Saldo, the Kherson raccoon said, back off, man, and tried to take off one of Saldo's fingers. At the time of recording this episode, the raccoon remains in custody, and in fact has been force conscripted as a, quote, cadet in information security at a Russian-established university in occupied Melitopol. What, and I mean this with the utmost sincerity, the f***? In more Trash Panda news, NAFO, remember them, 
managed to raise enough money to fund a naval drone for the Ukrainian fleet. How is this related, you may ask? The new drone has been named Raccoon's Revenge. The Ukrainian embassy in Spain was sent a package bomb in early December, and it was not an isolated incident. The Spanish company Instalsa also received a bomb through the mail, as well as the Torrejón de Ardoz Air Base, the Ministry of Defense Spain headquarters, and the United States Embassy in Madrid. Dmitry Kuleba, the Minister of Foreign Affairs for Ukraine, said in an interview that more Ukrainian embassies had received threatening packages. The Ukrainian embassy in Greece received a blood-soaked package with undisclosed animal parts. In fact, 33 threatening packages with bombs or animal parts were sent to Ukrainian diplomatic missions in 17 European countries between late November and mid-December. In Moscow, the French embassy received a package that contained a dead rat and a spider. The package was sent from Russian-occupied Crimea. About 400 kilometers southeast of Moscow and 710 kilometers east of Kharkiv, a drone hit Engels Air Base. Russian mill bloggers were completely outraged over the attack. Unofficial Besinov Z wrote, quote, I'm wondering what kind of clowns during the war offered to collect almost all strategic aviation and put it together, shoulder to shoulder, on one airfield in the open, end quote. Obviously, we know the answer to that question. That would be Russian Colonel General Sergei Sirovykin, who was the Air Force commander before he was made the supreme commander of Russian forces in Ukraine in October. Almost at the same time, there was an explosion at the Diaghilevo Air Base near Raison, 350 kilometers northeast of Kharkiv and 100 kilometers southeast of Moscow. Russian officials claimed a fuel truck exploded, which, to be fair, isn't too far from the truth. An ATA-80 airplane starting vehicle did explode when the airbase was struck by a drone. Ultranationalist mill blogger Alexei Zhivov demanded a nuclear strike be launched on Ukraine for attacking a, quote, completely defenseless airfield where our Tu-95 and Tu-160 nuclear missile carriers are stationed, end quote. <laughs> Oh, lol. Russian occupation forces re-established the bridge between Kherson, the oblast, and the Arabat Spit in Crimea. Occupied Kherson Gauleiter Vladimir Saldo, remember him, he was the guy who was mauled by the raccoon, claimed that the bridge repair was to support, quote, tourism, and they expected up to one million people to visit in 2023 to enjoy the Black Sea. Really, though? Because Russian contractors have been furiously building trenches across Crimea and along beaches. I feel like it might be a bit of a stretch to call that landscaping. In mid-December, the New York Times published an article reporting that Mobics in Ukraine, who receive little to no training, have turned to Wikipedia and online searches to figure out how to operate military hardware. The article also reported that when the Russian 155th Naval Infantry Brigade was attacking Pavlivka, they lacked sufficient food, medical supplies, and communications equipment while relying on maps last updated in the 1960s, that is, if they had any maps at all. Russian state media claimed on December 17th that the Russian Minister of Defense, Sergei Shoigu, inspected the so-called front lines in the southern military district in Ukraine 
and released a video of him observing from a helicopter window. The closest Shoigu came to the front lines was 80 kilometers, flying near Armyansk in Crimea. While some of the video clips showed recently built defenses, others were clips of defensive lines built in 2014 that have long been abandoned. Around the same time, Governor Serhiy Khaidai of the Luhansk Oblast reported that Russian forces on the Svatova, Kremina, and Lusychansk axis are force-advancing Mobiks and penal units into minefields in continuous assaults, and then moving through the, quote, cleared area with a second wave of troops. Two recruiting ads appeared on Russian state media in mid-December and spread across the internet like wildfire. The first ad highlights a middle-aged man who works at a factory where his wages are being withheld, and he has to borrow money from his teenage daughter, who's saving to buy a smartphone, just to pay their basic bills. He listens in to her talking to a friend about how her father went to fight in Ukraine and is now a hero who is paid well. So what's a middle-aged man who works at a factory to do when his employer withholds his wages? Complain to the authorities? Find a new job? <laughs> nope. Enlist in the Russian military, come back six months later, and hand his daughter a brand-new in-the-box cell phone he looted from a Ukrainian store. Best of all, they can move to Crimea and build a house, even though there is no factory there and he has no other marketable skills. The second ad shows an older man who is so poor he can't even buy groceries, so he considers selling his lada to afford sausages at the market. His grandson, touched by the man's plight, joins the Russian military so grandpa can buy a new lada with the death benefits, nope, sorry, wages, and doesn't have to sell his car. Speaking of missing the mark, masked men recorded themselves throwing sledgehammers over the fence surrounding the Finnish embassy in Moscow, an apparent warning that they'll meet the executioner's blows at the hands of PMC Wagner. There didn't appear to be any damage to the embassy grounds, and I imagine that the Finns were thrilled to receive all the free sledgehammers. We reported on another terrible gift idea that week. Ukrainian officials opened up a criminal investigation into how a live grenade launcher was presented as a gift to Yaroslav Shimchek, the commander-in-chief of the Polish police. When Shimchek tried to move two grenade launchers to his office, one was armed and misfired. The grenade blew out the ceiling in a first-floor room, collapsed rooms on the second floor of police headquarters in Warsaw, and injured Shimchek. The gift was given to him by Serhii Bondar, deputy head of the State Emergency Service of Ukraine, who claims that he was assured that both launchers were inert before bringing them to Warsaw. Rounding out the year in Podolsk, Russia, a 70-year-old man set a commissariat office on fire while his wife filmed. Police arrived as the man was getting ready to torch the office, and he continued to set it ablaze right in front of them. Honestly, that's pretty much the whole vibe of 2022 in a nutshell. And that's what we've got. Join me again next week as we jump back into our regular updates and check out the interviews. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.